Hello, fellow planeswalker, and welcome to Into the Ether Vortex. My name's Ninja Boy, your guide into all the different ways you can enjoy Magic the Gathering and how they all come together into something wild, wacky, and a little bit magical. Hope everyone's doing well out there. In the past month or so since the last episode, we've had the return of in-play, in-person paper play. I attended the pre-release of Adventures of the Forgotten Realms, which is a story in of, it, of itself at my local game store. Um, I also got to play with, at my, with my friend's Vintage Cube one afternoon a, little, a couple of weeks ago, which was a, pretty much a real fun blast. Finally able to pull off that Splinter Twin combo. Um, these are stories, again, in and of themselves, but I'll save those for next month's episode where I talk about how Adventures of the Forgotten Realm has been treating me alongside what constructed decks I've been playing, as well as my limited record. Um, in the meantime, though, it's time to go over all of the new cards released for AFR and figure out which ones go into my existing decks and potentially which ones could sp spawn decks all of their own. Plus bonus, I actually have a cube to talk about inspired by AFR. First off, though, the ED8 decks that aren't getting upgrades, best that I can tell from my currently existing decks. Uh, these are my Rhea Thopters decks, my uh, dwarf, uh, my dwarf vehicle deck led by Dapala, uh, Golos Snow Tribal, uh, Kumena Merfolk, and then while there are a lot of dragons, uh, I have a Ramos uh, Dra Tarkir Dragon Cycle deck uh, that's not going to be getting anything this set since they're not Tarkir dragons. Though we'll talk about a deck later that might, you know, there's just going to be so many dragon decks. I'm going to have by the end of all of this. In any case, though, let's start off with the first deck getting an upgrade. That would be uh, a Robo and a Johnny Cats um, in Celestia colors with a subtheme of equipment. Now, there aren't a lot of cats. In, in fact, I don't think there are any cats in those colors um, in this set. Um, but there are uh, an. Oh, by the way, for this for this episode, I'm talking about both the Adma Adventures of Forgotten Realms uh, proper set as well as the Adventures of uh, the Forgotten Realms Commander decks um, and the unique cards that are printed for the first time there. In any case, uh, there are three cards from those two sets that actually are catching my eye here um, as equipment to go into the deck. Uh, first up, we have Belt of Giant Strength, which is an equipment uh, one in the green for a for equipment uh, equipped creature has base power and toughness 10 10 with equipped 10 uh, the ability costing x less to activate where x is the power of the creature it targets um so you know there are a couple of ways in the deck to cheat uh equipment uh on the people i believe um and even so you know this is just basically gonna make the, po the power of these this hit even uh of my equipped cats hit even bigger since it's you know probably, probably pretty easy in order to get uh, these are uh, probably easy to get the, uh, the them up to close to 10, if not over 10, uh, power and toughness. So, you know, adding, this is funky for a lot of cats, probably like plus 8, plus 8 or so. Um, so, yeah, this might be interesting. I'm not sure if it's going to make the cut or so, but it's still definitely fun to think about. Um, next up, we have plate armor, uh, 2 and a white uh, for an uncommon equipment. This is a limited uh, mythic uncommon uh, from draft. Uh, equipped creature gets plus 3, plus 3, and ward 1, um, which, you know, ward 1 is a nice little way to help protect him a little bit more. Uh, equip 3, this ability costs 1 less to activate for each equipment I control, which based on the equipment, the equipment sub theme, so it basically make this cost free to re-equip as necessary. Um, so definitely place in the equipment sub themes. Not sure if it's going to again make the cut, um, but you know this could be fun to do. Um, and then finally, we have dancing sword, one in the white for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two plus one. But the fun part is when it die, when that creature dies, uh, I may have dancing sword become a two one construct creature with flying and ward one. And if I do, it is not an equipment and the equipment cost when it is an equipment is one now this one could fit into the deck but actually now that i'm talking about it this actually might be fun to put into another deck that i uh, have drafted up 
We're not fully drafted up, but I'm thinking about making uh, later on. So, you know, not looking like a Johnny Arabo cat will get a lot of new additions here. Uh, might have a couple things to maybe play around with, but otherwise, um, you know, other, otherwise not, not a lot changing at the core of that deck. Uh, next up, so within we have uh, Pirates and Treasure run by uh, Admiral Beckett Brax in Quixus Colors. Now, again, there are no Pirates in uh, Adventures of the Forgotten Realms, but the, you know, a Treasure being a sub-theme and kind of at this point a deciduous mechanic, again, is making this deck pretty interesting to think about in that, you know, there are so many things I could do to help... Uh, beef up the treasure synergies at the risk of potentially losing the pirate component to the deck. Um, that being said, there are a couple of, of cards here that, that seem like they might be interesting and potentially even on theme. So, you know, first up we have Deadly Dispute, one in the black for an instant as an additional uh, cost to cast the spell, sacrifice an artifact or creature, um, so either a small creature that can't attack or, or block anymore on my end, um, or another treasure I have randomly laying around, draw two cards and create a treasure token. Uh, this is probably the more responsible deck building option, you know, in order to help get a little bit more card draw to get through my deck a little bit more. Um, and, you know, that being said, having treasure synergies isn't well. And flavor-wise, you know, Deadly Dispute, I mean, you know, you, pirates are always killing each other, right? So, you know, this, I think, fits in there potentially. Um, the next one that I think might be fitting, so I'm skipping, you know, some, you know, Grim Bounty, for example, um, you know, doesn't seem particularly piratey potential, if anything, the other ones with, with, tre with, uh, bounties on them, um, and then Horde Robber as a Tiefling Robe doesn't fit into the creature types, um, that being said, we do have Skullport Merchant, which also doesn't fit into the creature types, but for two in the black, uh, when it enters the battlefield, it creates a treasure token, and then for one in the blue, I can sacrifice a creature or a treasure to draw a card, so recurring card draw, I think, might be a little bit Pretty tempting, pretty tempting to have on here. Um, and if anything, you know, skull port merchant, right? Like a merchant in port. That's you know someone who you know plays along with nicely with pirates. He's a citizen helping out with pirates. Um, I think you know I could potentially make room for him here. Um, similarly, in black we have thieves tool. One in the black for an equipment. When it ends the battlefield, create a treasure token. And an equipped creature can't be blocked as long as power is three or less with equip cost two. Now a lot of my pirates do have relatively low. I believe like you know about two power or so. Um, um, and, you know, Admiral Beckett Brass likes it when the pirates are able to get in and hit. So this actually, I think, actually might make the deck um, in order to, you know, work with both the treasure synergy as well as the uh, saboteur mechanic uh, that, that Admiral Beckett Brass wants my pirates to deal with. Uh, moving on to red, we have Unexpected Windfall. Again, this is one of the more boring but slightly more responsible, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, inclusions potentially for the deck. Uh, two red and the red for an instant as an additional cost. Sac discard a card. Uh, draw two cards. Create two treasure tokens. So again, the responsible thing to do. Uh, which I guess you know probably isn't going to make it. Frankly, since I'm not that responsible a deck builder. But you know, if you were to be a little bit more responsible than me, this would be I think worth including. Uh, also, this one isn't quite a pirate on theme, but I think it plays just too nicely. Uh, Zorn is a two in the red for a creature elemental. Three two. If I would create one or more treasure tokens, create that many plus an additional treasure token so for a lot of my treasure token this basically doubles the treasure production which is you know definitely worth that rare uh that rare cost and hey think of it as like maybe like a pet they bought on the ship or something like that who knows um gonna be skipping Kalein reclusive uh painter uh a, hu a human elf bar doesn't quite fit into the pirate theme um but the last two cards i think i'm probably gonna 
at least I think these are definitely going to make the deck. Uh, one, we have Treasure Chest uh, for three mana. It's an artifact, so I can roll a d20 by sacrif and sacrifice it after paying four. Um, if I get a one, trapped, I lose three life. Uh, two to nine, it creates five treasure tokens. A 10 to 19, gain three and draw three. And then uh, 20, search my library for a card. Uh, if it's an artifact, put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put that card into my hand, then suffle. Um, so yeah, that definitely, I think, you know, treasure chest and pirates, what better two could go together? Um, and then finally, we have a land, actually, uh, Treasure Vault, which is an artifact land. Actually, take that, go rewind a little bit. We did have the, um, we did have my Thought to Trial deck. Um, I completely forgot this is an artifact land, so I think this probably might go in there to help increase the artifact count. Um, in any case, for fast forwarding back to Pirates, um, Treasure Vault, artifact land, pay, uh, you can either tap it to add you know, generic mana or pay XX and sacrifice it and tap it to create X treasure tokens. So a nice way to, uh, you know, basically uh trigger uh you know basically hold it in reserve uh before um you know uh, revel and riches go like right before revel and riches goes off uh to basically make sure i have enough treasure to win the game so you know i think treasure vault you know again this is definitely a pirate uh treasure themed deck in there um, okay, so moving on to my Edgar Markov uh, Mardu deck um, for vampires. Uh, there's only one vampire I think worth mentioning here, but boy, is the house. Uh, Westgate Regent, uh, which as LSV Unlimited Resources said, sounds like a mid uh, uh, medium range hotel you know, at your local convention center. Um, Westgate Regent is three black and black for a vampire, 4-4 four, four with flying, ward, discard the card, and whenever it deals combat damage to a player, put that many plus one, plus one counters on it. This is going to be a house a little bit slow but again, again my edgar markov deck isn't the fastest one out there so um, i think this one could definitely uh you know find a slot in the deck if i wanted to make it a little bit cheaper and plays with the plus one plus one counters thing i have going on in there uh moving on to uh my naya uh Gisath Dinosaur Tribal deck. There is a legendary dinosaur in the deck. It is the Tarask. Uh, six green, green, green. Has haste and reward 10 as long as it was cast. Uh, whenever it attacks, it fights target creature defending player controls, and it's a 10-10. I know a lot of people have complained that it's probably not actually uh, what people are looking for in a Tarask. Um, but, you know, if there's a deck of mine that can ramp out a dinosaur this quickly, um, Tarask would definitely be it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and just being a legendary dinosaur in and of itself, I think it's going to get at a slot uh, in the deck. Uh, moving on, I have my Bant Kestia uh, Enchantment uh, enchantment Creatures deck. And as a reminder, uh, this deck is kind of focused around uh, having enchantment creatures uh, and then bestow either bestowing them or using totem armor to boost these. So I really don't, this is, it's at this point, a pretty tight list at this point. And, you know, I don't think there's going to be a lot that's going to be able to get it out of, um, get it, get, get, you know, make, make it a cut into this deck. Um, but there are two things from the Commander pre-con decks that seem interesting. Uh, first, we have Mantle of the Ancients, three white and white for an enchantment or enchant creature I control. When it enters the battlefield, return any number of target aura or creature equipment equipment does not matter uh, to the graveyard and attached to the enchanted creature and it gets plus one, plus one for each aura and equipment attached to it. So, you know, this is basically would you know, pump up my Kestia for all of the totem armors on it and bestow creatures. Um, so this one seems like it but this is at least worth testing out to see if it makes the cut. Um, and then the other one is Indomitable Bite, three and a green, Flash, Enchanted Creature. Enchanted Creature gets plus three, plus three, and I may have the Enchanted Creature assign its combat damage as though it were not blocked. Uh, so this is definitely a nice combat trick, partly. Um, also a way to, you know, push through commander damage uh, through blockers, potentially. Um, you know, so I think this one, you know, again, not guaranteed it's going to make it, but I think definitely worth testing to see if it makes that cut.
Uh, moving on, we have my Warrior Tribal deck led by Najila, five colors. Um, again, there's just a lot going on uh, for in terms of Warriors uh, in that deck that I'm not really sure if it's going to make it or not. Um, you know, within the set proper, you know, I mean, we have Legendary uh, Bruner Battlehammer, which plays mostly with equipment, is a Dwarf Warrior. Um, otherwise, I don't think any of the other Warriors in the set proper uh, make it in. Um, now, in the uh, in the pre command in the pre con decks, we have a Dragonborn Champion, two red and a green for Warrior. Dragon Warrior Trample, 5-3, uh, which I think there's like a minor trample uh, sub-theme. If anything, I think the deck is based on red-green. Um, whenever a source I control deals 5 or more damage to a player, draw a card. Um, this one definitely plays better with, you know, bigger dragon creatures. Obviously, it's in that, it's in that dragon pre-con deck. But that being said, um, my creatures can get pretty big with all of the counters going on in there. So I'm not sure if this is going to make the cut just because mine's definitely a bit more go-wide deck than a go-tall deck. But it's worth, you know, I think you know, uh, theory crafting of this one goes in, um, and definitely going to keep my eye on that one. Now, my signature deck, or one of my signature decks, is Angry Omnath, Omnath Locus of Reigns, Hydra Tribal, um, and surprisingly, well, I guess maybe not so surprising, but there are a decent number of Hydras uh, in both the main deck as well as in the Commander Precon. Uh, first up, we have a land, actually, Lair of the Hydra. If I control two or more other lands, it enters the battlefield tapped, but otherwise, you know, it taps for green, and I can play excellent green until end of turn to make it an XX green Hydra creature, and it's still a land, X cannot be zero. So, you know, this is definitely... Uh, a, a nice little, uh, you know, just another Hydra that just fits into the into the theme of the deck more so than anything else. Um, probably worse than playing a strictly a strict forest, just because um, the forests are easily fetchable and help trigger Omnath. But you know, I think it's still like a fun little thing to uh, to include in the deck for flavor reasons. Uh, next up, in from the Commander Precon deck, we have Neverwinter Hydra, which is basically Hydra Doodle. So I've had Hydra Doodle kind of sitting in the "quote unquote" sideboard of my uh, command of this of this deck. Um, you know, and my playgroup's mostly fine with it, but uh, you know, having to maybe swap it out if I go to go to like a Magic Fest or something, whenever those were things were still a thing. Um, of you know, basically, so uh, Hydra Doodle was a card from Unstable Silver Border back when dice rolling was apparently only a Silver Border thing. But uh, with Neverwinter Hydra, we have XX green green for a hydra zero zero of course but it enters the battlefield with after rolling six x d6s so the six-sided dice and it enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter for the total of those results um this time though it gets trample and ward instead of i believe reach uh was the one it had now trample on this one is actually a big deal just because hydras generally don't have trample so i think this one's definitely going to slot and and ward for is again nice protection so i never went into hydra i think is definitely going to get a slot uh in this deck as well um now, aside from the strict, you know, Hydra-specific stuff, uh, you know, again, Hamath is kind of also a landfall deck, so, you know, potential thing to think about. Probably not going to make the cut, but we have Druid class, uh, one in the green, land animals battlefield, I gain a life, uh, two in the green, additional land each turn, and then four in the green to level up to level three. Uh, land becomes a creature with haste and power and toughness equal to the number of lands I control, which is a very Hydra-esque uh, power and toughness typing. Uh, so Druid class, you know, I think probably not going to make the cut but still again if I were to take the deck in a little bit more of a of a land animation type uh, deck uh, direction this might be it um, we also have Ochre Jelly, which is obviously not a Hydra, but it feels very Hydra-esque. Excellent green for, you know, which is basically very, you know, basically Feral Hydra um, with Trample and it ends with X plus one plus one counters on the zero zero body. But when it dies, it basically uh, splits into uh, a creature, uh, a, ha a creature half, two creatures half the size. And those, you know, again, um, 
uh, those again, you know, uh, split as un and so on and so on until they're completely killed off. So if I ever don't make a ooze deck, which I feel will happen at some point, but if I ever don't, this could potentially sneak its way in and for being, you know, kind of like an honorary Hydra. Uh, and then we also have, uh, you know, Cloud Unrivaled Ancient, uh, which literally right before I recorded this episode, I played some webcam commander games with, a fr with some friends, um, and Cloud did some work, even though I ended up losing to an Aquaman's uh, Memorial. Um, but anyway, Cloud uh, is Legendary Dragon, so obviously not a Hydra. Uh, five red and the green, so seven mana total for four four flying haste. Whenever it attacks, add X mana in any combination of colors where X is the total power of attacking creatures. Spend this mana only to cast spells until end of turn. I don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. So this is a nice way to attack with a bunch of Hydras. Um, if they end up dying, then whatever, I can kind of recast another Hydra from my hand. If not, Cool, I can still cast a, a Hydra from my hand, basically, uh, with the stupidly high powers that Hydras tend to have. So, um, again, will it make the deck? Maybe, maybe not, just because it's not a Hydra, but still worth thinking about. Now, the other signature deck that I have is my Yuriko uh, Demir Ninjas Tribal deck. Um, and this one, while there'll be no ninjas specifically in this deck, got a couple of potential play pieces, which I'm going to be testing out. Uh, first up, we have a legendary creature horror, Grazalax. Uh, Illithid Scholar, one blue and the blue for a 3-2 body. Whenever creature I control becomes blocked, I may return it to its owner's hand, uh, which plays really nicely with the ninjutsu with the ninjas, right? Um, if they attack, they end up, you know, and they end up getting blocked. Um, well, you, you know, Eureka wants them to get through, so they'll either get through and deal damage and, you know, hit, trigger Eureka, or if they end up getting blocked, I can just return them to my hand to be ninjutsu again and not be killed. Um, now, that being said, if the creatures do get through, especially for my very small unblockable creatures, uh, I get to draw, in the combat damage to a player, I get to draw a card, um, you know, which again is pretty nice to do. So, uh, Grazalex, I think, actually may make it into the deck more likely than not. Uh, what might not make it is uh, Eccentric Apprentice, uh, but it's still worth thinking about. Two and the blue for Tiefling Wizard, 2-2 two, two with flying. When it enters the battlefield, adventure into the dungeon. And then at the beginning of my combat, if I have completed the dungeon, up to one target creature becomes a bird with power, toughness, 1-1, one, one, and flying until end of turn. So really the tricky part is that I'm actually probably not going to be able to complete a dungeon with this because dungeon would be pretty diluted within the deck. Um, that said, this ability would be nice to have on a ninja, um, you know, to turn it into a 1-1 one, one flyer that can sneak through, you know, ground defenses and so on and, and trigger the effects. Um, unfortunately, and probably not going to happen. Uh, but, you know, that kind of effect, I think what I definitely love to see happen again somewhere. Um, let's see, we have a Silver Raven, uh, which is basically similar to uh, Artificer's, uh, uh, Artificer's Apprentice, I think, or uh, Assistant, uh, Artificer's Assistant, the one in the blue, that uh, the, the blue 1-1 one, one bird that, you know, scries from the ETBs. Same thing, except it's basically an artifact creature here. Um, so, you know, if that can make it in, this one could potentially make it in uh, just to have more, you know, even cheaper uh, evasive threats that can also manipulate the top deck. Um, we also have a two-drop uh, unblockable creature, which is always worth taking a look for Yuriko. Uh, Yuanti Malison uh, can't be blo blocked as long as attacking alone. And if you lose combat damage to a player, venture into the dungeon, and it's a 2-1. So this one is, I think, on the border, right? Like, the fact that it has to attack alone in order to be unblockable, not the best, especially since I want to be attacking with a lot of different unblockable things. Uh, so this one I don't think quite makes the cut, but this is, you know... Uh, still, I think, worth bringing up as another alternative to uh, have a cheap, unblockable creature, uh, especially if you don't have a large uh, back catalog of other cards if you want to build it. Um, 
And then, you know, like I said, with uh, with with Beckett Brass uh, and Pirates, uh, Thief's Tool basically makes anything unblockable and also creates a treasure token. Now, again, most of my stuff has inherently unblockableness to it, but the fact that Eureka would always want to be unblockable, um, you know, and is, uh, definitely has power less than three, I think makes Thief's Tool at least worth thinking about including uh, in this deck, uh, in the, if only to make Eureka unblockable. Um now this now this next one uh, doesn't strictly play into uh, Yuriko being making you know making things unblockable. In fact, it, it's kind of like a payoff to being unblockable. Uh, Vorpal Sword uh, is an artifact equipment for a single black mana. Equipped creature gets plus two plus zero oh, and has death touch. Not relevant if it's going on one of my unblocked unblockable creatures. Uh, equipment is two two is is black black so two mana. The real spicy thing is five black 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 so eight mana until end of turn. Vorpal Sword gains whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player. That player loses the game so this is just basically an easy way to eliminate the player with my unblockable creatures um i don't know if i'm going to be able to get up to eight mana consistently enough to be able to do this i might need to play a couple of games uh without it to see if i get to that point to, to start testing out and see if it's worth including um but otherwise vorpals if i am able to vorpals will be pretty sweet to include uh, and get that alternate win condition in there um, and then let's see, we finally, uh, we have two more cards to talk about for this deck. Uh, Rhodes Class, which is again one of the new class enchantments. Um, it's uh, Demir Colors, uh, you know, blue obviously, blue and black, uh, level one. Whenever a creature I control deals damage to a player, exile the top card of that player's library face down and look at it as long as it remains exiled. Uh, one blue and the black, creatures I control have menace. Uh, not super, super relevant, I guess, except for maybe for the ninjas it might help. And then two blue and the black, I may play cards, exile with Rogue Class and spend the mana as the lower mana any color to cast those spells so i think this one is probably not going to make the deck um the, the real thing that would have helped you know would be the menace for the for the ninjutsu creatures and if anything because most of my commander right now is being played over webcam this is just a pain to play with so at the very least over webcam probably not going to play it um worth looking into potentially if i want my more of my ninja unblockable net to gain you know quasi unblockable at least um that being said, we do also have a rogue, which, you know, we may get, you know, we did get a rogue pre-con deck from, from Zendikar Rising. I think this one fits nicely in there, even replacing the commander. A Kirtle of Baldur's Gate is blue and a black for a 1-3. Whenever he deals combat damage to a player, that player loses one, mills a card, I gain a life, and scry one. And whenever I attack, I may pay two to make target creature be unblockable. Uh, normally, you know, obviously the play pattern would be maybe make himself unblockable to trigger those things, but it'd be nice to maybe give it to Yuriko to make her be able to do this, or Ninja, right? But the tricky part is the fact that I need to pay two consistently every turn in order to do so mm, makes this not you know as great to include. But if you're looking for like a budget option to include into the deck, uh, this one potentially could fit into there. Now let's see. Uh, I the other deck I have like fully built out is my Teamer Tribal deck, which. Technically, obviously, I guess, isn't getting any new teamer or Tarka tribal clan cards uh, going into that deck because we're not on Tarkir. Um, that being said, there is a card from the Commander Precon that uh, flavorfully would fit in potentially. Uh, Ride the Avalanche is a green and a blue for an instant. The next spell I cast this turn, I can be cast as though it has flash. And when I cast my next spell this turn, put X11 counters up on up to tar one target creature where X is the mana value of that spell. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is basically, you know, Teamer is kind of dumb, makes a lot, a lot of big stuff, basically. Um, nice to be able to play maybe some source, some sorcery speed stuff at uh, instant speed. Um, and, you know, I think Ride the Avalanche flavorfully could fit in there. Um, I'd have to double check if there are any water, you know, what, what it would go into a place. Um, but yeah. Uh, all right. So those are the decks I definitely have built out. Now, the decks that I've 
kind of have half built out at this point. Um, we have, uh, you know, God Tribal, um, which uh, is, you know, getting a couple of gods in here, actually. So first off, we have uh, Grandmaster Flowers, which is Bahamut. Uh, a planeswalker, two white and white um, with three loyalty. As long as has seven or more loyalty counters, he has seven seven dragon god creature with flying and indestructible. Uh, target creature without first strike, double, and plus one creature without first strike, double strike, or vigilance can attack or block until my next turn. Um, and then another plus one, search my library for a card named uh, Monk of the Open Flowers, reveal it put in my hand. Um, so, you know, Monk of the Open Flowers is like basically a one one that uh, gets plus one plus one counter on the second uh, spell I cast each turn. Um, I don't know about Bahamut fitting in into my God Tribal deck. I think at that point, at this point, it's a pretty tight deck, um, and I don't know if you know. I mean, it would be definitely cool to be able to get the Dragon God on onto the field, but uh, I don't think it's you no. Know, it's not really set up to support Planeswalker so much. Um, so this one might not make it. Uh, similarly, we have uh, the Book of Vile Darkness and Vecna. Um, so Book of Vile Darkness is one of kind of like a. Um, a Calder type uh, 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 artifact. Uh, so black, 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 legendary artifact. Uh, ending my turn, if I lost two or more life, created two, two black zombie creature token. The real thing is, you know, Exile, Book of All Darkness, and then two other artifacts, Eye of Vecna and Hand of Vecna. Um, Eye of Vecna enters the battlefield, uh, lose two life, uh, draw a card, and then begin my upgrade, lose two life, uh, and... Uh, and and pay two to draw a card, um, which you know obviously pairs nicely with Book of Wild Darkness, uh, making the zombies, um, and also Hand of Vecna, which is an equipment that beginning of combat uh, get a plus one plus one, uh, where one where that's the number of uh, cards I have in my hand, um, and then uh, I can either pay life uh, to equip it equal to the number of cards in my hand, or um, pay two just to equip it. So obviously uh, Vecna, and obviously it's either equipped creature or a creature named Vecna. So you know the idea is sacrifice this and the two other Vecna artifacts to create an 8-8 black zombie god creature token with indestructible with all those triggered abilities so you know every turn either draw a card you know draw cards and so on um, I think the triple black one makes this tough to play uh, two um, including three artifacts uh, into the deck to try to pull this off I think in the in the god tribal deck, which is already pretty tight, I don't think makes the cut. Um, but again, just another god worth mentioning. They're definitely including a lot more gods uh, in MTG as of lately. Um, we also have my Scooby Doo, which is basically clues, dogs, uh, and and potentially food tokens as well. Um, so you know we have a thorough investigation from the commander precons. It's an enchantment, two in a white for uh, whenever I attack, investigate, and whenever I sacrifice a clue, venture into the dungeon. So I'm going to be stacking a lot of clues in the deck, obviously. So you know, make uh, basically make venturing into the dungeon was. For a Scooby-Doo deck, is very flavorful. You know, venturing into dungeons uh, and where the, where the baddies are, very flavorful. Um, and then similarly, we have Mordekainen, which is another Planeswalker. Uh, four blue in the blue, legendary Planeswalker, five loyalty. Plus two, draw two cards, put a card from my hand on the bottom of my library. Uh, minus two, create a blue a blue dog illusion creature token with power and toughness equal to twice the number of cards in my hand. And then minus ten, exchange hand and library, shuffle and gain an emblem with no maximum hand size. Um, so yeah, this is Mordekainen. Kaiden is basically creating a Scooby-Doo each turn uh, and obviously, you know, doing the stuff with, you know, drawing cards and what I would, the deck already kind of wants to be doing. So every deck wants to do, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a potential inclusion in there as well. Um, and yeah, I think that's all the actual uh, card decks I'm actually going to be, uh, that I already have or or half built at this point um, that are getting a distance from the two sets. Now, that being said, again, there are a couple of other cards that are 
uh, casting my eye, so to speak, um, you know, especially the, on the, in terms of legendaries. Um, in the Commander Precons, we have, uh, the one that probably stands out most to me is uh, Min Wily Illusionist. It's a Gnome Wizard. Uh, one blue and a blue for a 1-3. Whenever I draw my second card, it's going to create a 1-1 one, one blue illusion creature token with this creature gets plus 1, plus 0 oh for each other illusion I control. Whenever a illusion creature dies, put a permanent card with mana value for e less than or equal that to the creature's power from my hand onto the battlefield. Um, so Illusion Tribal is definitely like a fun deck to try to do. I think Maybe if I had to do it, maybe do like illusion clones, though illusions don't like being targeted. But specifically the clones I would want to do for a Lord of the Unreal, which I believe um, is a is a car is a lord that basically gives other illusions hexproof. Well, uh, if I make a if I make a if I make a clone of him, uh, then all of them have hexproof basically, and he's basically uh, can be targeted or removed, which is pretty nice. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. This was definitely worth I think taking a look into building. Um, and then, you know, obviously we have Tiamat, who is, uh, you know, the big, uh, you know, five-color commander that we have. Um, definitely goes into the Dragon Tile Bull deck. Uh, you know, it's um, legendary creature Dragon God, yet another god, I guess. Uh, flying, whenever it enters battlefield, if I cast it, search library for up to five dragon cards not named Tiamat, have different names, put them into the hand, and then Suffle. Um, Honestly, though, I don't think I would build it. I mean, maybe include it in, like, a Dragon Tribal deck with the Earth Dragon and whatnot. But honestly, I kind of want to build it in a... Maybe potentially, like, a Dragon... Uh, a Dungeon-flavored deck. Um... Where you know all you know dungeons and dragons, right? So we have the dragon in the command zone. Do all the dungeon cards, which I know they have like the commander precon uh, that focuses on that in, in band colors. But you know there's 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 dungeon stuff in all five colors. Um, so it it might be fun to to include him, if only kind of like in name only, right? And to have focused on the uh, command on the on that flavor stuff. Um, for for having a dungeon, um, and then also I would potentially maybe include Flavor Words Tribal, you know, um, maybe focus on all of the cards that are like you know you you come across the glade, or right, or you or you come across a pair of goblins, right, like those uh, those kind of storytelling cards. Um, Definitely not like a optimized tune deck, but kind of one that kind of showcases uh, what the uh, what the set has to offer. This definitely be like a deck that that kind of just embodies this set. You know, if, if people make cubes uh, for to replicate sets, this would definitely be a commander that kind kind of encapsulates all that. Um, notably, if I were to do a uh, dungeon deck. Um, Asazrak um, is, is a mythic, you know, from the set, two in the black for a legendary creature, zombie wizard. When it enters the battlefield, if I haven't completed two of the Annihilation uh, dungeon, uh, return it to my hand and venture in the dungeon. Uh, whenever it attacks for each opponent, create a 2-2 two, two black zombie creature, unless the player sacrifices a creature. 5-5 uh, five, five creature. Now, the, the trick that you may have seen online is basically looping this infinitely uh, with Rooftop Storm, which makes zombies uh, cost zero, um, and also Allurin, which basically lets you cast uh, creatures uh, three or less uh, for three, right? Um, so basically, cast this. Um, don't go into the tomb and lies and loop back. And just kind of basically endlessly go through my deck over and over again right? and get all the incremental value from dungeons. Um, drain everyone for one life and so on and so forth. Or, or deal one, gain one for everyone. Um, so yeah, Asovac, you know, that might be something to include just as an emergency valve uh, to win the game potentially. Um, the other thing that I would want to do in a Dungeons and Dragon uh, focus set, I think, would be so we have the showcase cards, right? Which are, um, I believe, fifty-one or so uh, different uh, creatures uh, in the set that are basically done in the uh, you know the old nineteen sixties original source book style, you know, alternate art. Um, 
try to collect a complete set of those, and then, you know, I 50, throw in a couple of other cards, I believe, like, all the you, whatever, into the thing, um, can, can include all of those, and then, uh, you know, have the showcase module cards for the lands, and then, you know, you have yourself a, you have yourself a, 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 a library, a deck that basically looks like it's literally a source book, basically, so, um, Definitely wouldn't be the most powerful deck for sure, but definitely would just be like a fun one to just kind of sew off your collection. Um, other than that, you know, just got a couple of other, you know, legendaries that fit into other decks that, or, or inspire some other decks. A uh, Lolth, you know, the Spider Planeswalker uh, fits into a, obviously a Spider Tribal deck. Um, Asmodeus and Vecna. Vecna I talked about earlier. Asmodeus, kind of like a, a Grizzle Brand at home, um, you know, uh, draw a card uh, instead of drawing a card exile the top card of my library face down uh, three black mana to draw seven cards and then play one to return all cards exiled with Asmodeus into my owner's hand and lose that much life so basically you know pay four to draw seven and lose seven life um, but yeah I mean Asmo like you know those who go into like devil slash demon tribal decks potentially led by Rakdos um you know, earlier I talked about uh, Dancing Sword maybe flitting into like a uh, another like I was thinking maybe like Drizzt do Urden, uh, you know, the uh, green and the white uh, legendary creature, um, you know, Elf Ranger 3-3 for 5 mana, double strike, and the battlefield create, uh, you know, a cat, a 4-1 legendary cat with trample. Whenever another creature dies, if it had power greater than Drizzt, uh, put a number of plus one plus one counters equal to the difference. Um, Drizzt basically give, just give him like, you know, put literally every card with sword in it into the deck basically and just like, and bolt one him up. I may have Nick stole this idea from Game Nights potentially, but it's definitely a good idea. Um, we also have Minsk, Minsk Beloved Ranger. Um, Naya colors, 3 mana, red, white, and green. For Legendary Human Ranger, 3-3. Three, three. Enters the battlefield with a 1-1 one, one Legendary Hamster Creature token with Trample and Haste named Boo. Um, and you can pay X mana until end of turn uh, to make a target creature, probably Boo, uh, gain power and toughness XX and becoming a giant until end of turn in addition to its other types. Um, activated only at a sorcery. This one, if I were ever, ever to move off of uh, Hydra Tribal being with Omnath Locus of Rage, um, this one might actually be a nice option. Um, White gives us a couple other Hydras who we currently can't include in the deck. Um, but more notably, right, like again, the Hydras all usually will have uh, base power 0, zero. Um, Adding, so having a base having uh mints make their base power into this xx basically just increases their uh increases their size a lot um this is definitely like a very timmy thing to do and wouldn't necessarily be like the most powerful thing to do but i think it'd definitely be pretty fun to do um plus you know hamster hamster how could you get how do you say no to that um we have also a couple of beholders you know xanathar another one from the commander precon deck um those might fit into maybe a nickel i might include them in a nickel bolus tribal deck um as like, you know, a beholder sub theme potentially um there um i also have you know my sea creature deck not the uh kraken's leviathan's uh squid uh, squids and uh um whatever the other one serpents um you know, not not that or octopi, not those. Um, but you know, sea creatures like starfish and fish and whales and you know whatever um, that don't aren't actually uh, you know support like a, a group type. Um, I think the random one offness of those creatures and other you know creatures that are kind of like one off. A Volo um, guide to monsters who whatever you create when it's, he's in black blue green color uh, color combination. Whenever you cast a creature, if you don't have another creature with it on the battlefield, serving a type or in the graveyard, uh, basically copy that and get another copy of that onto the field. Um, that might be an interesting one uh, to include in the deck or uh, to lead that deck. Basically, this is kind of like a fun. Yeah, this is like a little bit different. Um, you know, it's a guide to monsters, guide to all like the weird stuff in the sea. Also, obviously, we have all the classes um, that that are 
worth looking into. I don't think you could make like with the sagas that like I was thinking a saga tribal that gets all the sagas together. I don't think the classes really work in that way because similar to sagas, they need very specific things. And the other tricky part is you need to invest mana into them in order to get them to the better levels. Um, so I think those are better more as one-offs into specific decks, probably better suited to their particular uh, color pair and, and class. So obviously, you know, the druids into a druid tribal deck, clerics and cleric class into the cleric tribal deck and so on. Um, that being said, okay, so we talked about a lot of EDH decks uh, that I've been thinking about, um, but the last thing I want to talk about is that I've actually uh, put together a cube, uh, mo most of the way there. So a while ago, I was thinking about, you know, I, I played a lot of Unstable, and I had like an Uncube that included, you know... I that I, and I wanted to include you know, the conspiracy cards and draft mana cards and also um, the playtest cards from the modern uh, mystery convention booster packs. Um, well, with convention booster packs not really being used uh, much because of the pandemic, the quantity of those on the marketplace have made those cards very expensive. So I can't really get a full playset of all the cards that I want to use to include in my cube for that. Now, one of the sub-themes of the uh, unset, uh, mostly in teamer colors, because um, those are the, you know, uh, mostly red-green and a little bit of blue-green as well, and a little bit of, uh, yeah, and, and blue-green, right, um, are, is dice rolling, right? There's a lot of cards that care about dice rolling. There's a one, you know, it's like an enchantment alt-win condition that if you roll, you know, total of 100 you know, over the course of multiple die rolls, um, you win the game and so on, and other dice manipulation and stuff. I figured, hey, there's a lot of dice rolling in this set. There's a lot of dice rolling in uh, in silver border stuff. Why don't I make a dice cube? So I did. I, I spent, you know, the past couple of days putting together a list and checking the cards I actually had in my possession, what I needed to order. I needed to order about $50 worth of cards or so um, in order to finish the, in, to finish the set. Um, but uh, I have a dice cube. It's a, or a plan that is a $540 singleton uh, silver bordered vintage cube, um, mostly based in unstable. Again, has a couple of cards from Unhinged, a couple from Unglued, from Unsanctioned, as well as, you know, Conspiracy, uh, and conspiracy take the crown, um, but yeah, I, I, it looks pretty cool. You know, the 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 two the main uh, archetypes are you know the main one is you know teamer uh, dice rolling. I believe about a quarter of the deck is related to dice rolling in some way, and I also pulled the cards from the. Um, Commander precons, uh, which I which I just just arrived a couple days ago. Pulled those cards out to include in the cube. Um, that meant not only like you know the sixes or the twenties, but the eights, the twelves, the tens, the fours. Um, so those would be fun to include. Um, and then yeah, and then uh, and then so the main ones are you know teamer colors. Blue red is more about dice manipulation and you know pixie twin, which if you've seen Saffron Olive's decks, essentially a fourteen percent chance with one pixie twin and Delina um, wild maids to. It basically make infinite pixie twins to win the game. Um, we have red green, which is more about instead of dice manipulation, um, rolling lots and lots of dice, like old Buzzbark, just rolling stupid amounts of dice. And then green blue, which is kind of like rolling big. So it's not so much. Uh, it's kind of similar to dice manipulation, but you, but um, it's not so rolling a lot of dice as so much as rolling really big things on dice. Um, the other kind of half of the cube are the Esper colors, um, which, you know, the, I couldn't really find an easy way to split those into discrete archetypes, but these are basically like the, let's mess with the rules of the game type stuff, right? So we have Artist Matters, uh, we have Artifacts and Contraptions on here and here as well. We have various metagames, be they wordplay games or dexterity, this guy like silly stuff. Um, we have Name and Text Box Matters, um, and I also have like a couple Mana cards that I included in there, mostly because like there weren't a ton of white cards that I wanted to include, um, you know, from from the earlier sets, uh, the unglued and unhinged sets, uh, so I needed to make an even color balance. Um, the other archetypes, black, red, 
said, I don't really know what the archetype is yet. Probably going to be some sort of aggro deck, um, similar with red-white. Um, and then uh, we have green-white host augment, um, as well as uh, black-green squirrels. I included some squirrel cards from Modern Horizons 2 uh, into the deck to help build out that squirrel uh, sub-theme. So, yeah, uh, I have a dice cube. Haven't obviously played with it yet. I need to finish ordering the last $50 worth of cards or so. But uh, looking forward to actually getting some games that would paper with some friends and letting you guys know how that goes. But yeah, um, I think with any case, uh, this podcast is now coming to its resolution. So let me know what you think of Adventures of Forgotten Realms. You know, how your playing experience been? What do you want to include in decks that you already have? What are cards that I should think about including in my decks? Um, or cards that I want to include that aren't actually as good as I think they're going to be? Um, be the EDH or other formats or even other cubes, potentially? Let me know. Um, let me know over on Twitter at EtherVortexPod or via email at IntoTheEtherVortex at gmail.com. You can find Into the Ether Vortex on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. You can leave a review on any of those podcast services or on podchaser.com. Links in the show notes. Architect is linked uh, with uh, username NinjaBoyBoy than I. Into and Outer Music is Kevin MacLeod's. Uh, you can find his stuff at incompetent.filmmusic.io. Editing production is provided by NinjaBoy Media. Until next time, on next episode, we're going to be talking about, again, my experience, both my pre release, Rinthus Cube, and the limited decks I've been playing, as well as the uh, cards I've been playing uh, on the uh, rank ladders in Arena. I've been playing a lot of uh, standard 2022. Eldrain cannot rotate out fast enough. Um, but until then, uh, may your lands be plentiful but not too plentiful, and with that, pass my turn.